on to the Bees Knees podcast. And for the first time in a long time, all four members are here. Say what's up, fellas. Gang, gang. Hey. We're here? Yeah, Dan. Time to, time to dance. Time, time to dance. <laughs> yes, Bees Knees back in the building. Quarantine edition for the second time. Uh, this time we are talking basketball. Uh, I, of course, am Marcus Williams representing Columbia, Missouri, uh, by way of St. Louis, Missouri, currently. And hey. uh, you can find me, Sir Rant and Rave, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, resident, and, and I'm one half of our Heat contingent. How's it going? Yeah, man. My name is Trey Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PastorTrey05. You can also cash at me there as well if you feel so inclined to do so in the name of Jesus. Um, I'm back like I never left. I missed the last couple, as a matter of fact. So please don't find me. Find Iggy. And I am a Brooklyn <laughs> Nets fan. <laughs> <laughs> Deals that just don't hold up. Post quarantine. All right. I am Dan Pierce. I am a Chicago Bulls fan, Chicagoland native, uh, living in the St. Louis metropolitan area, O'Fallon, Missouri. I am, like I said, Bulls fan. Uh, this is my jam. This is my uh, episode, as it were. We'll uh, see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Brian Hubbard. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm the other half of our heat contingent. You can find me on Twitter at B underscore hub twenty one. There it is. There it is. Um, as our as our esteemed colleague Dan was saying, call, there is slight cause for celebration as his beloved Chicago Bulls finally, finally worth talking about again. They are, and not only that, not only because of of a change in authority, but because most of you guys who like basketball have probably been watching ESPN. And they've been running a documentary series about the last year of the Chicago Bulls dynasty. So, yeah, it, the, the Chicago Bulls are very in vogue right now. We're going to mm -hmm. try to rein Dan in a little bit, but we're going to let you cook for a little bit, Dan. Go ahead and go ahead and, and, and do your victory lap for All your right. new VP. So, so one thing it, you'll learn as we move forward with uh, the last dance discussion, but the Chicago Bulls organization, especially the front office has uh, historically been a small endeavor. It, you know, Jerry Krause ran it for a number of years since Jerry Reinsdorf owned it starting in the mid eighties. He just kind of kept everything low to the vest. There wasn't a lot of assistant GMs, wasn't a lot of like a, a huge scouting department. This is all about to change though, because Arturis Konishivas, uh, who was the GM, who was one of the GMs out of Denver, and then previously in Daryl Morey's system in Houston, uh, was hired as Bulls vice president, taking over John Paxson's role, who's moving into a senior advisory position. I don't, I don't like how, how how smoothly you said his name just now. I need you to struggle a little bit more. <laughs> oh, no. I've been practicing, Trey. Come on. Arturis right. Kanishvas. That is a fun name. Kanishvas is. is my favorite Greek food. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in. It's <laughs> also my favorite uh, hibachi greeting. <laughs> He is uh, from Lithuania, and he oh. has a wealth of experience when it comes to international basketball, uh, collaborative front office management, and really just a deep, dedicated background to building the best basketball teams possible. Gar Foreman has been 
fired. Hey, get out of here. Yeah, he he can't stay. Absolutely not. And you know what was the best part? Arturis had a conversation with him just to be like, all right, at least I'm doing my due diligence. And they, Gar was like, this is how I run things. And Arturis is like, yeah, that's not going to work with me. You're fired. So they couldn't meet philosophically. And I'm very interested to see the conversation moving forward between Arturis and uh, a certain Jim Boylan who uh, is not fired, however, is definitely on a hot seat. It's very, very exciting time to be a Bulls fan, solely because <laughs> it, 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 it is from the perspective of, for so many years, we have been stuck in this Krausian mindset of this is how we have to do things because this is how things have always been done within this organization. It has always been, okay, Jerry Reinsdorf hires a Chicago White Sox scout to be the Chicago Bulls GM because it's within his organization. Krause maintains reigns until uh, 2003 when John Paxson takes over because he's been within the organization and Gar Foreman takes over in 2010 because he was within the organization starting from 1999. You know, the, there are all of these holdovers. It, it's such an incestuous group of people that you understand. Whoa, what group? Whoa, whoa, this is a family podcast, Dan, man. I'm, I, I'm saying just in terms of we only hire from within. That's all. All it, right. You get you get what I'm saying. It, I guess it, that's one definition it, of that word. It is. No, no, I get what he means. I, I I know what he means. It's borderline nepotistic. You know, it's unfortunate. Right. It's really just the hiring of Arturis Karnishvas is a great sign of the times, and this documentary is coming out at a perfect great time to out. look back at the highs and lows of an ongoing problem that was sort of started from its highs in the Chicago Bulls 1990s dynasty. Sure. And I mean, yeah, it, the, the, the two things, the two subjects kind of dovetailed nicely because as you were telling us beforehand, that guy actually played against the 98 Bulls in an exhibition game in France, uh, which was covered on the documentary, right? Yeah, so I mean that's a nice little that's a nice little anecdote for the people out there, a little trivia for you, for them. I'm sorry, um, and so yeah, we're happy for you, man. Look, if it means that the Bulls get to a point where you're you're just not despondent about their front office anymore, <laughs> we're all we're all there with you, Dan. We're happy for applause. you. Round of applause. Round of applause. Get I like saying my GM's name in the mirror five times in the morning too. now now the next thing for the bulls is as you said jim boylan's still there so problems still persist um that'd be a great it'd be a great kenny atkinson location but there's a lot of rumors currently surrounding uh adrian griffin who's an assistant in toronto right now right I mean, that, that's a guy that's paid his dues, and he he's been a lot. He's been an assistant coach in a lot of for a while now. I remember, but I remember him playing on that 06 Mavericks team that lost to the Heat. Go Heat! Yep. Um, he, he was also uh, on a lot of the Tibbs Bulls teams. So oh, was, was he still a player then? I didn't realize that. Yeah, he he had sort of transitioned into a veteran bench guy who would spot oh. start whenever 
I don't know. Like Tips Udonis ran Waldang's legs off. Sure. Like Udonis Haslam is doing. Yeah, yeah. Just like here and there. Although I would say UD had a more consistent starting from my understanding than Adrian Griffin ever did during his career. Yes. Uh, yeah, probably. Yes. See, I thought you were going to go the other way on that, Dan, and say you thought Griffin was, and we were about to have a civil war in here. <laughs> it, it <laughs> no, was no, I, I knew exactly who Adrian Griffin was <laughs> when they traded him from, or acquired him from the Clippers with Eric Piotrowski. Piotrowski? Pajkowski. Yes, Pajkowski. Thank you. Okay, so... Uh, like, uh, a great deal of time in this podcast mentioning a bunch of players that nobody's ever heard of. This is amazing. Let's keep this up. <laughs> hey, there's going to be a whole mess of players that are just going to get mentioned, like Scott Williams. The Scott Williams hug scene involved in the the documentary is fantastic. Oh, no, are we going to talk about Tony Kukoc or no? Wasn't that Scott Burrell? No, Scotty... I thought it was Scott oh, Williams. Man. I'm pretty sure that was Scott Burrell. I said Scott Burrell? Okay, I'm sorry. I could be wrong. Trey, did you, mention, about... did you mention Tony Kukoc? I, I did mention Tony Kukoc. I, I wanted to know if we were going to talk about Tony Kukoc. I had this interesting discussion with somebody who was absolutely convinced that Tony Kukoc was a better basketball player and a better NBA player than Kevin Love. And I stand by it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <why'd> you, <laughs> why did you bait him into that? I just wanted to get it on the right man, Look, man. Hey, one's going to make the Hall of Fame, one's not. Yes. <laughs> you're right. But yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're going – I don't think it's going to turn out the way you think, man. I just – Dan, we let you cook for a minute, but – Hey, man. Go ahead, man. Brian, hey. go ahead. I mean, every year, yeah, Tony's on that list of how did he not make it this time, you know? <sighs> All right, just I wish there was a way. I'm, we're gonna put a poll out on like Twitter and, and and Instagram a little bit and find out if if like maybe Dan is the like normal one and the rest of us are crazy because I don't really think it's a lot of people who would argue that Tony Kukoc had a better NBA career than Kevin Love, but but you're quite convinced that he did. Um, and I want I want to know what the people think, man. Hit us up, please. I, I would go so far as to say that. I would go so far as to say even encompassing the entire scope of their careers, overseas or anything, I would still say that Love has had at least as good a career. NBA-wise, it's not even close. But I would say that I don't know what Tony Kukoc did internationally that makes him a better Hall of Fame case than Kevin Love. And this is 1990s European teams, I mean. Right, he was on some of those, and he was good. Well, I'm saying, like, Fine, but I'm saying like internationally, '90s basketball in Europe was not. Oh, okay, okay, I get you. Like I get you. equal to today's G-, G League, maybe at best. Right, right. Uh, and this, for the record, is not a pro Kevin Love argument. We're like, I think. Well, I can only speak for myself. I could take him or leave him. I like, I don't care one way or the other. It's it's just difficult for me to see how he has less of a case than Tony Kukoc does. I'm not a Kevin Love like Stan or fanboy at all. I'm just saying, like objectively speaking, looking at the numbers, looking at the fact that at one point in his career, a team gave up uh, what was basically three number one overall picks or two number one overall picks and another first rounder for Kevin Love, and then gave him a max extension. And nobody thought it was crazy at the time. I, don't, I think that's worth 
talking about the caliber of player he is. So, granted, he hasn't been turning too many heads recently, but I think it's kind of recency bias or, or, or something of the sort. Uh, sure. if, if we try to act like Kevin Love is Tony Kukoc level player, I'm just saying. Steve Kerr currently has a problem with ESPN's marketing because he believes that Tony is being unfairly maligned in those posters and that Tony should be replacing him on the posters. That's an entirely different conversation. Right. And, and, I'm just saying, I'm just like, saying. Steve, like, Kerr, like, Steve Kerr was coming off the bench like, for those bowls, right? Right. And for what it's worth, Cool Coach was absolutely an integral part of those teams. I don't think, I right. don't think any of us are arguing that. But we just no. we have an issue because I think I think you might be having a hard time separating the fact that he was a part, a big part of those title teams, and you're making it seems like he on his own was as good a player as Kevin Love is. And that's simply not true. It's just there's just no NBA case to be made that, that would back that up, is, is what we're saying. I get it. So all right, cool. Glad we got that settled. That's neither here nor there. Go ahead, the Trey. other thing I noticed about this documentary is that it's amazing that LeBron James never needed Scottie Pippen to win an NBA title. <laughs> oh, are we doing this? Are we actually doing this? Don't, don't take it, Dan. He's just trolling you. Do not take that bait, even though he's not wrong. But anyway. He um... is factually inaccurate. <laughs> I'm factually inaccurate? He wouldn't know the truth if it started for the Boston Celtics. Anyways. So are you trying to suggest that LeBron James did need Scottie Pippen to win those NBA titles? I'm suggesting that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, and there's no argument to be made. That's oh, what I'm suggesting. Oh, oh okay. Ooh. No, we, we can't do this. We don't have all we do oh. not have enough time to do this conversation today, guys. Well, you don't want to do Skip and Shannon's show? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Skip. 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 Come on, Skip. Come on, Skip. No, man. Look, Dan, we're just we, we'll just leave it as there is an argument to be made. But that's another day. That's for another day, okay? Um, now for another topic we kind of talked about before was, and I think now's a good time to talk about just because I'm I'm going to assume that the NBA season is over. It might not be, but I'm assuming that right now until we have any evidence otherwise. So we could start to today and you could take the GM job at, on any five teams. Who would your five teams be? Dan, do you want to start? This is keeping in mind location, current talent on that team, ownership, tradition, ownership, tradition et cetera. I'm taking the Clippers. Taking the Clippers. Okay. First. It's not like one, two, three, four, five. It's just here's five. Okay. I can respect that. Uh, I'm definitely taking the Clippers. I'm going to take the Warriors because at the end of the day, Stephen Clay and Steve Kerr are still there. Right. Uh, you're just going to cut Draymond like that. Huh? Draymond's not Draymond anymore. I love Draymond. He's not the player that he once was. Sure. But in the proper system... To be fair, in the proper system where he gets to be the third or fourth best player, like this is assuming a healthy Steph and Clay. So I think if that's the case, right. Draymond is very valuable to them still. Yes. When when Draymond doesn't have to be the second guy, right. that that benefits Draymond a lot. Okay. So so far you have the dubs, I've, the Clippers. I have the dubs, the Clippers. 
I mean, if you have the Clippers, you right, you have, right, you would have to have the Lakers, right? right. I should take the Lakers. I really should, but I I don't trust Jeannie Buss. I just I don't have enough evidence that she's a good owner, and I don't that type of management style. I just I have so many worries and concerns. Okay, so I, I totally get that argument. I do. I just I, don't I, know that that transcends the rest of the argument for the Lakers. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. I'm gonna go Grizzlies. Whoa, whoa, as a what? job you would take what? right now, I would, I would take the Grizzlies job. Hey, hey, let's hey, let him explain. Let's seen... let him explain. Okay, with the way that roster is currently constructed, with young, exciting, talented players playing in a system that makes sense with the skill sets, and an owner that is very excited about the team, the tradition. I mean, they've already promised that they are retiring Tony Allen's Jersey, uh, Zach Randolph's a, a ton of players that while they never, you know, made a finals or whatever, it meant a lot to them. And for sure. that, I can respect it. And I could be like, all right, let's, let's try and build something here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shouts to Eric. Shouts to our buddy, Eric, who, who covers the group. Grizzlies sometimes, by the way. Yes, shouts to Eric. Shouts to Eric uh, well, hold on, like, and all this, all respect to Eric's team, and you know, probably guard your ears a little bit here for a minute, Eric, <laughs> if you're listening. But my counter to this is cool. You know, that's that's great that they're retiring players that mean a lot to the organization. But you're looking at this as like their collection of on-court ta- on-court talent. If Job ja blows his knee out tomorrow and is never the same player, what makes that job as appealing to you? That is also a worry of mine, because I look at Jaws' game, and I'm like, this is this is 2010 Derrick Rose. Okay, exactly, right, but that's right. where I'm going with this, where I'm saying, like, we're asking the best GM situations. Right. I don't I think mean, we're looking at best collection of talent going forward if you're looking at best GM situations. I think it's all, all part of things yes. that weigh into they have great pieces. I like a lot. I really like their roster. Yes. But if I'm looking at GM positions, I'm, I'm really not taking your current collection of talent into account because Jaws, the Jaws, the most likely superstar of their roster. Yes. He's not a superstar yet. And unless he gets to that consistent level like it's very hard to attract free agents to non-coastal warm weather cities. So even even if Ja hits that free agent or level where he's going to be attracting guys at least like oh I could go play with Ja. Like even Braun in Cleveland had a hard time with that. So I just I I struggle like looking at our, at our team's roster as why I would pick a team to go with instead of I'm fine with looking at the situation. I'm fine with looking at the team's roster as part of the situation. My problem with that particular job is that the roster is not really that spectacular at all. And it's not like a lot of... I mean, it's not spectacular. It's got a ton of potential. They have a lot of potential. And I think that's kind of the strange part these days is um, with as quick as rosters are changing, we're not looking at younger rosters like that and being like, okay, well, when they grow... It's because we know like some of those pieces are going to be gone immediately or they're not going to not going to have the same roster for four or five years to build on. Right. I guess because of the age range of most 
of their core and how patient they, the coaching staff seems to be in developing that core while still making a playoff push. It's one of those situations where I'm like, that's really attractive to me personally. Like I, I would, I would really want to be in that situation. Another one for similar reasons based on roster, not only roster, but market and ownership Mavericks. Mm, Cuban's going to spend. He's going to what? He's going to try. He's going to try. How many? No, we're going to be in the, we would be in the conversations at the very least. He always Uh, is. Him and Danny Ainge are always in the conversation, but it's rarely like ending the conversation. I'm just saying, Luca and Kristaps, that's such a unique combo that I don't know. I agree with Luca. I don't know how long Kristaps is going to hold up. Curious on that. I'm not saying he won't, but that's a pretty good year overall this year. Yeah, that's fine. I just, I just want to see it continue going forward, you know, like make sure he stays healthy and all. And Luca's definitely a draw for people, but still, like historically, they had, I mean, they had Dirk and still couldn't get free agents to sign there. They had to trade for guys. That's fair, so, and they do have some pieces that they can move, or there there is wiggle room possibilities. I'm not saying that they're the most attractive, or it's going to be an instant turnaround. So, what are you basing your five GM spots that are most attractive to you on? Like, what's uh, your criteria? I guess the most potential f- for building. While while I'm taking into account uh, GM. The owner willingness to work with the GM and stuff like that, uh, the roster, players, market, there's enough. It's more Wait, of a market is a consideration game. for you, and both Dallas and Memphis made the right. list? Right, that's my question, kind of. I'm just saying I, I don't think I could work with Dolan. I don't think I could work with that roster. I don't think there are too many impediments to success in, in the Knicks organization that that just it wouldn't work with me well I'm not arguing for the Knicks because I think Dolan right there kind of cancels that one out okay oh but but I mean like a Brooklyn or you're you're hesitating on the Lakers when right I'm I'm not sure what Jeannie's done to make you think she's gonna be a problem like I don't I don't think there's been anything specifically pointed out like oh Jeannie bus meddled in this or Jeannie busted that I haven't seen any Thing like that. She took the organization out of her brother's hands for one. That, her brother seemed to be bigger more on than anyone oh, yeah. going on at the time. I, and I, as soon as Magic left, it seemed like they started making smarter moves. And I guess Magic and them had different philosophies or whatever. But Palinka doesn't seem like he's done a terrible job the last year or so. He's made some questionable moves early on. Um, and I'm not sold on him, but I don't like if we're looking at actual situations, I don't see how the Lakers job isn't number one far and away above everything else. I think it might be safe to say like just one outlier here that gives me pause in making this assessment. But Dan might just hate oceans. Like I think, <laughs> I think you no, prefer no. being in the middle I, of America. I, I enjoy oceans. The problems that I have are in each of my picks. I see long-term sustainable success with LeBron being at the age that he is, you know, you're not betting on the future. You're betting on the now. So with that particular situation, right? Like if, if I were to give my five 
which I will in a moment, but number one, like, and it's not even close, is the Lakers in my book right. for the simple fact that over for the past almost 30 years now, we've seen that they're able to attract who like top free agents, even when they're not particularly oh, good. Like they got 30 years. Exactly. Yeah, long, yeah, much longer than that. Like, Every just in their history, people center. Yeah. Has wanted to go there. They got peak Shaq, peak Dwight wanted to go there and eventually made his way there. Peak Anthony Davis, or however you want to describe the situation, Will, ended up going. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so to be in that situation, and even if your team is underperforming or whatever, to have top end talent want to spend the prime of their career playing for your organization, it seems like it will make your job a little easier as a GM because it could hide the fact that you might not know what you're doing. And honestly, I'm not ashamed to admit I, I might not know what I'm doing if you gave me that job. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I would want training wheels. Yeah, for sure. Give me that. I still have one more. I am going to take. Uh, I'm going to get reamed over the coals for this. I'm going to take the Miami Heat. Why would you get reamed over the coals for that? Because you guys, I, I don't know. I It has a roster. Trey, I'm going to let you go and respond to that because I I clearly have bias on that one. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't say, see an issue with that pick, honestly. I thought when he said I'm going to be right over the coals, I thought you were about to say Chicago Bulls. And yes, I, I would have I dragged right, you over the coals right, for that. Yeah. Right. But no, the 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 heater on my list as well. Same. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I feel like I never give them enough credit for building a younger based roster. They do have pieces moving forward that I would I would keep around. Now, do I think that they're going to flip those into trade bait for bigger and better assets? Of course. But would I? Maybe maybe not, you know. I, I think I'd be a little bit more hesitant to do so. However, we've seen Riley turn water into wine with some of his moves. I, so it, it's one of those things where it is an attractive job. Okay. I, th- I still I think don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, I don't disagree, but I still think it's not getting to the heart of the actual like point of asking the GM question to me or maybe it's just philosophical difference then yeah i i think yeah, it's more philosophical it. like I, i'm looking at younger rosters that can have sustainable success i i think my only outlier in this is the warriors and clippers to a lesser extent in terms of drafting there is a level of with the clippers it's more of okay everyone's in their mid to late 20s and we could sustain this for a while and ride this out until we have draft picks again. Whereas with the Warriors, they basically have to reload. And then, I mean, that that Timberwolves pick that they ended up getting is really attractive. And so they can reload on the fly with a, a younger piece, some role players around it, and then Steph and Clay. And then who knows what you're going to get out of Wiggins could you could Steve Kerr turn him into a serviceable uh fourth option on that roster? Maybe. Who knows? You know, what where where the jury's still out. Yeah, I think I think um where whatever disagreement or dissension might be coming in, I think there's definitely a philosophical difference in that right, what's right. making these jobs more attractive to Dan is their current situation, which right. definitely factors in. Um and, and it will just... factor into some of mine as well. Yeah, it just seems a lot higher on your list, Dan, than yeah. mine. It would be current roster composition because, to me, it's more 
you know, its location, its ownership's ability to work cohesively with the GM and not step on their foot when they don't need to, not push buttons that don't need to. Like, are you letting that GM work from top to bottom of the organization? Are they developing players? Do they have a cohesive strategy behind that? Are they able to find players, places where not many other teams are, you know, having luck with that. Like, are they doing well with G League players, um, international signings, different stuff like that? To me, it's like the the current rosters don't really factor in quite as much, other than maybe having a superstar or someone with superstar potential, because obviously that's going to carry you and give you more wiggle room. But the people that have been in these positions for the longest time, it's the most cohesive organizations and that's kind of what i'm looking at along with location and so that you can attract those free agents that's more what i'm looking at because i feel like rosters are so fluid these days it doesn't matter who's on the roster right now you can make moves and it's going to be different six months from now so trey what trey it's a very miami heat thing to say (laughs) well i mean stable organization no i get it i get it i'm just saying like yeah, it, it doesn't matter who's on the roster. You can make moves. Well, then, I mean, he's shown it every time. <laughs> no, no, I know yeah. that. I know that. Yeah. I, I'm just, that. that's part of the philosophical difference where, yeah. whereas me with the Chicago Bulls, it's like I'm throwing up my hands like, uh, I just want something sustainable. All right, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, all right, so my list, number one, like I said, far and away, I don't have to think about it, would be the Lakers. Um, I feel like it'd be the easiest to succeed there. Uh, with the least amount of knowledge like you don't even have to be particularly good at your job to get the best players in the world wanting to sign with you so that's number one uh number two for me and and this was a a bit more thought but number two for me would actually be the clippers for the fact that i think they finally gotten the donald sterling stench off of them um steve Ballmer looks like he's ready to spend money uh we're starting to see top players look more and more the clippers as a viable destination um, and, and and people are starting to respect them. I don't think they've gotten to the point, even though for a few years where they were clearly the better team in that city, I think they'll still always be the little brother, much like the the Nets in, in New York. But I think it's location and having an owner who's willing to spend money, you know, trying to get them a new arena or whatever, I, I wouldn't mind being in that situation. I think that's number two for me. Number three, fight me for the homer pick. I'm going Brooklyn Nets uh, because they are the best organization in the city of New York right now. Uh, in terms of having sane people, allowing competent people to do their jobs. Uh, we're seeing that. And and it's funny because we finally struck gold with uh, the top free agent on the market last summer, Kevin Durant, and then Kyrie Irving also going there. But it's not the first time we've seen top-end talent list the Nets as a possible player. Like uh, Dwight Howard, Peak Dwight, listed the Nets as a destination and almost ended up as a Brooklyn Net. I mean, as a New Jersey Net at the time. But um, I, I, I'd be perfectly fine with uh that job so that's number three on my list number four is the miami heat because it's, it's a it's a great a organization like it really is and it's a, a dope location people want to play there in terms of getting talent there uh you have ownership that that knows how to trust the right people and everything so i would love that job and number five here's where i'm, I'm, I'm ready to catch some some strays for this one and, and i'm gonna tell you why number five for me would be the philadelphia 76ers and here's why wow. y'all still with me why wow. i'm here all right, here's here's why the Philadelphia 76ers. Because Philadelphia is notoriously like one of those places where it's hard to be involved in the sports world, in, in the sports world, but they they have like some of the most like hardcore fans in just about every sport there. But we're what? Like one GM away from some dude who convinced them that being 
really, 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 <laughs> really bad actually worked to their advantage, right? And they actually, and they actually got, got to a point. They actually got to a point where um they're they're not in such a terrible situation anymore. So current roster, they have some nice pieces, but I think they have enough and 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 I think the the fans there have been shell shocked into being okay with some things that that might not have been there previously. Um, so I wouldn't mind being the GM of the Philadelphia 76. That's that's my fifth choice right there. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, I respect that. So, uh, okay, I guess <laughs> I guess it leaves me. Um, no, I, 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 you, I, you, you ready? Brian hasn't gone yet either. Oh, go ahead, Brian. You go ahead and do yours. Give me some time to gather my thoughts. Um, I mean, mine's pretty similar to Trey's. I got Lakers far and away number one. Um, Clippers number two, because I agree, Ballmer seems to be being involved where he needs to be and not involved where he doesn't need to be. Um, there's an enthusiasm there for, for him where while it might get annoying to certain people, like I'm fascinated to hear about his relationship with Kawhi, one of the most emotion-showing people in basketball versus one of the least Emotion showing people in basketball. Yeah, I'm yeah. just curious. It's interesting oh, I, to me. I'd watch that buddy cop comedy. Right, exactly. Like that'd be fascinating to me. But it doesn't seem like he meddles too much. Where he would get annoying to that point to anyone being interested in joining that roster. So I got the Lakers far and away number two. Clippers number or Lakers far and away number one. Clippers number two. I have my three and four as the same teams, but I'm gonna go ahead and flip flop those. Because right now, Sean Marks has a very big head coaching hire ahead of him, and I'm fascinated to see what he does with that. They're, they're, the Nets are getting to that point where they're seeming like one of those stable franchises. They're far and away the best one in the New York area. No question, yeah. obviously. that. Sorry, Kobe. But, <laughs> right. No, I'm not even sorry. He knows it. <laughs> um, but I just I see the, the long-term um, organizational structure in Miami as just something that's more established and again i you guys have pulled off free agent coups recently we've done it in the past yeah. I, i'll take miami as a uh, recruiting ground up yeah, against just about anybody but it's I not like i meant to mention and i did it but like three and four were almost interchangeable for me i can't i can't like yeah for me it just came down to like like i said it was a homer pick i'm, I'm a nets fan right. and as somebody who's lived in both miami and new york and brooklyn like i, I prefer brooklyn and that's fair. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you where three and four real tight. I'm going with the long-term record yeah. and proof of stability over the what looks like the possibilities in Brooklyn. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Because, yeah. I mean, again, honestly, I don't know what that ownership situation is looking like. Is is the is the Russian guy gone? Is he sold? Yeah, he gone. He gone. Okay. They're stable with who's, who's on that team? I guess we'll find out soon. I know he's right. already... Fire, he fired the, the current CEO when he took over, replaced him. That guy lasted a couple of months. So there, there were some signs of, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but it, so, uh, I mean, that's just Joseph my Kahn. thing. Where in Miami, there's a. Was it uh, is the guy's name uh, Joseph Kahn, I believe? No. Um, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't care. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, Arturo's Konichiwa. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I'll just take the longer term. Miami pr uh, track record over Brooklyn's potential. Perfectly looks fair. Like, what looks like good track record. But yeah, I'd have them pretty close in terms of three and four. Number five was hard for me. Um, I would say it's either 
I'm going to go with Golden State just because they have those players on board and they have what seems like a good ownership group willing to go over the luxury tax, spend money, figure things out, get creative with how they're creating this roster. I'm going with them as number five. I also consider Houston, but I don't know with that new owner. He, yeah, he seems very Houston. concerned about the luxury tax. And his after this whole coronavirus thing right now, it sounds like his money's a little shaky too. So I don't know when he's going to look to start cutting costs and stuff, but I, I don't trust that owner right now. I think it's a good situation. I think Houston is the place that free agents look at, but I don't know if I trust that owner enough to put them top five right now. So I'd go with Golden State as number five. Ain't he like a huge like booster for the University of Houston too? I'm not sure. I just know like they were already one of the teams that were talking about cutting staff and stuff okay. like that. I know he's taking a huge hit financially right now. Yeah, he's so, done a ton of interviews where he's like, oh, this has affected me like really terribly financially. And I mean, they were already on shaky grounds with this being D'Antoni's possible last year. I guess if you're GMing the team more, he's not there. So it, I don't know how that affects the situation. Either way, it is you're, – you're right. It is a little unstable, Brian. Yeah, so I got – I mean, I got – I got Golden State in number five. So I got Lakers, Clippers, Heat, Nets, Warriors. I, li- I like it. I like it. I like that. And I don't I don't necessarily disagree with the Philly pick. I, I do wonder if, you know, if they do a full teardown, how that is attractive free agent wise, like in the, in the future at some point, you know, that's my only thing. I don't um, know that Philly's ever been like a real free agent destination. Right. And that's to me, if I'm looking at a GM job and you have like say I could just have my pick of any job in the league, I'm looking at the ones where you have a built in advantage free agent wise too. Yeah, no, it definitely factors in for me. They're like I, I think one of the things that makes me more comfortable about them not being a free agent destination is that all of their stars haven't been homegrown. They're a little more conditioned to like not being play- like I don't really see Philly fans getting rabid about certain players like, oh, man, are we going to get so-and-so? I don't see that happening. So that's not an expectation. I feel better about okay. it. I got and, you. And, yeah. And and if you're allowed to lose as blatantly and fragrantly as, oh, man, I think Marcus Break. Jason just chimed back in right in time to defend the process. But if they can make that <laughs> if they can make that fly for Philadelphia. I don't think anyone's uh, hating on the process right now, honestly. Like, the, he got a lot of, lot of leeway out of that. You're right. Like they weren't, yeah. nobody was, he had the entire fan base biting on that. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we got a plan. We got a process. Like imagine trying to have that plan fly in some other cities. Exactly. Yeah. Like that would that not work. So I see what you're saying is like Philly being an attractive spot for a GM because it seems like they bought into that right. regardless of how you feel about where we are at this point with it as the result. Like they bought into that. So it seems like you'd have more stability doing that than you would in other places. Yeah, man, I'm all about job security. Yeah. And, and it's right, a, same here. And that's where I was going with my top I, five, too. Was. <laughs> I agree. And to be fair, if Colangelo didn't have the burner account sort of Watergate situation. Exactly. He probably he still keeps beat his job. He was sorry. Well, not sorry, but nothing spectacular. Like You can be a perfectly okay GM in Philadelphia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we do. Do we think Elton Brand's any better than perfectly okay right now? Because he I, no, right? No, no. The moves on not. paper. The moves on paper. 
I like I get it, but that's somebody playing. It looks like someone playing fantasy basketball or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not convinced Elton Brand's very good as a GM. I'm not. I'm not either. I think giving a washed Al Horford a hundred million dollars is a yeah. problem. Yeah. I think offering five years and a hundred and thirty-six million dollars to Tobias to Harris Tobias is a Harris. problem. Right. I agree. Speaking of the process, though, it's number one defender, Marcus Williams. Will you have your five top five GM jobs? <laughs> I hate that that's become my thing because I don't it like didn't have to be that way. It, 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 it didn't have to be that, that way. way. But I was only that. I was only arguing the logic of it that we, I could see the logic. But and you yeah. also chose to relitigate it right there in that moment. We're not, I'm going to let you slide because I want to hear this five. But just know it, it never had to be. These are all decisions you made for it to be this way. It's true. Okay, that's fair. Um, so I think anybody could agree that the number one and number two, in whatever order you want to put it, I, mean, I think because of history, you have to say the Lakers. But personally, I would prefer to work with the Clippers. But I get it. Either way, number one and number two are the Lakers and the Clippers. I think number three, I would go... Miami, for the reason that Brian said, just because it's Miami and you never have to sell players on that. In theory, you never have to sell anybody on that. Um, I would love to play there. No state income tax, culture, et cetera, et cetera. I say four, I would go uh, Brooklyn as well. Um, Either of those teams really could be interchangeable. It's just personal preference at this point. Um, And five... I don't know, man. I, I love the Golden State job, and I think right now that's great, but I, I have a hard time seeing that that job could long-term always be great. You know what I mean? Like, before stuff gets there, is that a is that a glamorous job? I don't really know. It was a all. different ownership team, though, too. That's true. That's, that's the thing. true. Like, they, they had really bad ownership for quite a long time, and then when Bob Myers and then bought the team, that that changed. Yeah, and they're in a much and they're in a huge market now. New arena. Okay, you know what? You've talked me back into it. I'm going Golden State, um, just because that that window. This window is still pretty great. They still have good owners, good market, etc. Um, you have to assume you have a, a healthy Steph and Clay, but. I actually would could be talked into. I guess five B for me would be crazy enough. Dallas. I think that's a pretty good job. Too. Oh, oh, we're not I seeing know. that one coming. Didn't I? Did uh, not hey. see that one coming. I did not either. I, I, I also either. picked Dallas. Yeah, I don't yeah. think fan giving Mark Cuban credits. Uh, I was I was just about to say that I don't think there was anything more predictable than the two uh, Heat contingent have an identical list. And it's almost the same as mine, and then and then Dan's going like <laughs> another direction. Like I, I thought that's the most predictable possible outcome. But, but hey, look that's at that beauty though, because uh, even like Dan, I, the the Clippers was the only team that made everybody's list, I believe. And then with uh, you and you and Dan also had Dallas. Dallas made five B because you cheated. I, you, you I think Dan did have the Lakers on his. I didn't have he was the just Lakers. Much no. less no, he, he did, did not. Oh, I did okay. not have the Lakers. No, I I had. Uh, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Heat, the Mavericks, and, and the, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Don't forget, you put the Grizzlies the, on this list. The Grizzlies. That, I was the only person without Golden State on my list. I was the, I was the only person without. Okay. Because I'm the only person yeah. who likes job security, being allowed to not know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Memphis one. That is that's that's a curveball, Dan. But you know what? We asked for your own opinion. And I, I respect that. I am actually kind of surprised 
that you did not say Chicago. I'm proud of you, I was Dan. proud. I was proud. But I realized <laughs> that the main reason that Dan wants that Memphis job is so that he could go back in time and find Iggy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I was going to say, I think Dan would have that job higher on the list if they had find Iggy. So, yeah, that makes sense. Shouts, shouts to you, Dan. Um, I stay guys, consistent. <laughs> you do. Very on brand. Very on um, brand. Now. Speaking of my brand. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh. So, the <laughs> last so dance. Oh, the last dance. Fine. Well, come on with it. All right. Uh, first of all, I remember being a little kid and I was cute, watching That's cute. I was I was watching the news at shortly after the last championship and you know I already don't believe going you. on and everything was awesome and the news report finished with Phil Jackson on a motorcycle just driving away and I mm-hmm. looked up to my mom and I was like mom why is Phil Jackson riding away on a motorcycle and she looked mm-hmm. at me and said, because he's no longer the coach of the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And that that's the ending of the plot of those dynasty seasons with the conflict between Jerry Krause, Phil Jackson, and the players in between. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Jordan retiring is the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, to be I mean, fair, Jordan. I mean, not downplaying just, Phil at all, but Jordan I, retiring is the number one cause. Here's the thing about that, though, Brian. Jordan doesn't retire if they don't get rid of Phil. Jordan, is, Jordan right, says right. that I have options, but I'm not playing for another coach other than Phil Jackson. Right. Bulls management forces the hand, and thus. But that's it Mike's up. decision, though. I do have a question here. We're talking about 1998. Um, Dan, what year were you born? You were born in 91, 92? 90. You were born in 90. Okay. Yeah, we're the same age. All right. So you were... Hey, I wasn't watching the news in 1998. What type of childhood did you have? <laughs> I ha- Hey, hey, man. I had a different one where ABC7 was just always on the television. Like, the gotcha. ABC affiliate in Chicago was just constantly on, where whether right. it was the news or soap operas or whatever it might be. And when That it, explains a whole lot, man. Thank when you. it Very came honest. to Bulls yeah. coverage, they were all over the place. I saw two different uh, ABC reporters in the dock in just, like, background shots and all. One of them was in Paris with Michael. Uh, the other one was doing like the announcing the rookie of the year stuff in the doc. They always had bulls coverage. And so seeing Phil Jackson ride away on a motorcycle, I'll, I, I just, I'll never forget that whole experience. You you know what that whole thing kind of highlights for me though, especially, especially in lieu of how much the NBA has changed is how, how often in today's NBA would ownership side with the GM or whatever over a player like that. You know what I mean? Like a player like of Michael Jordan's stature of, of the, the height of the bulls dynasty. Right. And even going into that season, Krauss was like, all right, we'll re up for this last one. But after this, this is it. We're, we're tearing it down regardless. How often would an ownership do that now? Like, I mean, what's it like 1% chance? I can't, I cannot imagine like even Dan Gilbert 
is swallowing his pride and being like, fine, LeBron, whatever we got to do to keep this gravy train rolling, we'll do it as long as we have to. Until the minute you walk out, we'll keep on doing everything to placate you. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine an ownership group. You mean second time around, Dan Gilbert, not first this, time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, first time I'm around, not, Dan, he tried. He tried, right, exactly. It's not like he pushed LeBron out the door. Yeah, you know? that's why he... That's why the Comic Sans letter came to be, because he was like, yo, I did what I could, man. I brought Antoine Jameson here. You're just comically <laughs> inept at it. Comically I brought, I brought a Didn't Delonte trade J.J. West. Hickson for Amari Stoudemire. Oof. Yeah, that one smarts. That one hurts. But though, in, in fairness, by that point, the, the NBA had definitely shifted towards this player empowerment era. era. And I mean, the summer of 2010... This is the best example of it. You know, like that was the summer yeah, when players, <laughs> players realized, hey, we can call the shots here. And that, I mean, there was almost no chance LeBron was staying there at that point. I mean, not. I don't care how badly things got in Cleveland. I think there was just a part of him that was like, let me make the most of this opportunity to go somewhere else and, and play somewhere else or whatever. Like, I think that would have happened regardless of who he played for before, especially if he hadn't won a title yet. So if LeBron James wasn't born in Akron, Ohio, that wouldn't even have been like a discussion. Like nobody would have yeah. been like, oh, is he yeah. staying? Right. Yeah. Right. And so, like I said, like, it's just weird in 97, 98 that the Bulls ownership was like, OK, Krause, we'll, we'll, we'll do what you want. We'll bring him back one year, but we'll re we'll tear it down after that. Because like as, as Dan was saying, Jordan doesn't leave if they don't if, if Phil Jackson stays. I mean, and at that point, Scotty had demanded a trade anyway, but like Jordan wasn't going to leave. He probably wasn't going to retire otherwise. He probably would have stayed there as long as they had titles to defend. And you know what's yeah. strange about that whole situation? So the 99 lockout happens post the, the dynasty. They have Tim Floyd as the coach. However, during that lockout, Bulls management, according to uh, then beat reporter Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune, went back to Phil and tried to get him back right. without, without Jordan, without Pippen, without <laughs> Rodman. Imagine going there in Montana Jackson. smoking peyote. Like, uh, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But like th that, that's an aspect of this documentary that Phil was also burnt out, but he wasn't, it wasn't to the point where he wanted to blow things up and not work there anymore. He, he yeah, I think he countered with an offer of like coming back on as a consultant for $70 million. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> York Nick? Ah, uh, but in, in any case, in, another aspect to the problem is Reinsdorf did not and still does not negotiate directly with the agents of coaches. <laughs> And that's an issue. Obviously. That is an issue. So Kraus is having to do this directly with Phil's agent. And Phil just wanted to be paid on the same level of like, who was the coach of the Orlando Magic at the time? He wanted to be paid on like a level of a lot of the other top coaches. Uh, and I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to ask for when you've won five championships in seven years. Can we no. take a moment? You just mentioned like negotiating with uh with, with coaches, agents, and and one thing that I feel everybody owes an apology because like 
we started feeling sorry for Scotty about getting ribbed on that deal that he insisted on. And like, oh, man, his agent failed him. He should have fired his agent. When, like, everybody, including his agent and the owner of the team, tried to save him. Like, we owe we owe Jimmy Sexton an apology for acting like he isn't. It's, it's not like with some scrub agent like that he brought up with him. He didn't bring one of his childhood boys. Like, he had Jimmy Sexton. And, and people are acting like right. he knew what he was doing. We, we owe yeah, Jimmy Sexton yeah, an man. apology. Yep. I, I remember even as I was watching it being like, Oh man, that's a steal of a contract, but also being like, uh, he had every opportunity to not sign that, right? Like, yeah. he chose to sign for that money. I mean, I get it in the moment for Scotty because, like, you grow up and not you don't have anything, you got two family members in wheelchairs at that point. I get the idea of seeing that stability long term and being nervous about gambling sure. that in the shorter term deal. I get it, it's just. It's unfortunate how much that did blow up in his face in terms of not not earning to his potential. And Scotty made over like 120. Million I was about to say he, he ended up making too, that so up he was on the okay. back end. It's not like he did terrible that way. Right. Not only that, I, I get why he did that in the moment, and I also get why why near the end he was kind of bitter about it. Like, look, I didn't bring it up right away, but we're kind of ending the nearing the end of this and maybe we could start talking a new deal, you know, a year or right, so ahead. Right. Like it's not like it was year two or three when he was like, Hey, I don't like this. Let's tear this up and figure out a new one. It was a year or so left on the deal. It sounds like. Yeah. Not only that, but this isn't necessarily covered yet. Uh, when the bulls do trade him in, in the 98 season, they renegotiate <laughs> the con it's a sign and trade contract for three years, 30 million to Houston. So they right. do give him the money that he's asking for. It's just while they're trading him. That's so right. technically Houston gave him the money he was asking for. Yeah. They could have just sent him to Houston without that though. Houston doesn't have any impetus to give him that money necessarily. They have to agree, but it, it ultimately is the Bulls' decision to do the sign and trade as opposed to Right. Yeah, Houston needed that because otherwise he would still hit free agency. Right. Like that gives you an extension at, right. at a price that right. he thinks. But I mean Houston I was one of the few teams who had the type of money to absorb that sort of contract. And I mean free agency then wasn't what it is now. So I mean I, I guess I could see both sides of that. You know what I mean? Like I don't know that he had a ton of other options otherwise. He just knew we just all knew he didn't want to be in Chicago. Chicago, like, at that point, knew that they were going to blow it up. I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm kind of with you, Trey, on the, like, look, man, you could have just not signed that contract and just played harder for it. I mean, played hardball early on. But as Brian said, at the time, given his family situation, it's just kind of tough to see. No, I, I fully know. get why he did it and pushed for it when he did. But I guess my thing is, like, it's one of those things you just kind of got to wear. Like, if you realize, like, oh, snap, I'm kind of good at this yeah, basketball yeah. thing. Like, you you just look like, I guess the owner and my agent did say, hey, don't do this. And I did it anyway. So I'm going to just, like, you. Right. I feel yeah. like grumbling that loud. Like, maybe mention, like, hey, do y'all mind if I get a raise? And they'd be like, no. Nah. You'd be like, okay, you just wait a couple years. But that's just me, you know? The I idea mean, of assigning. To me, like, like well, I was just going to say, like, it. correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. I'm not sure on my timeline here. Okay. But it sounds like it was this last season or two when Pippen started bringing this up, right? Yes. So so was it the uh, last season or was it the second to last in, in Chicago when he started asking for this renegotiation? It, it was pretty much a consistent beat from 
about 95, 96-ish. It was the whole second three-peat. He was, it, it, he was yeah, the whole, well, okay. not only the whole second three-peat, but probably the last four years of the contract because okay. when they're playing in the playoffs without Jordan during those seasons, Pippen is the best player in the league. He was like number four in uh, MVP voting in 94, wasn't he? Yeah, right, yeah. right. He, he, like, he has all of the tools to be and is thought of as among the best players in the league, okay. but is still being paid at like 122nd. Which that's when I agree with Trey and say that you just kind of got to eat that one because you got that many years left on a deal that you yourself were the one pushing for. You just right, got to kind of right. eat that for a little while. Once you that, start getting into that second to last or last season, that's when I don't see any issue with him saying to management like, hey, I've been underpaid for years, not oh, any sort of issue out of it. Let's start talking about this now so it doesn't become an issue oh, later on. And that's yeah. when I think the Bulls started fumbling it. Like you can work with a guy a little bit more and still not tear the deal up. And, yeah. and sign a new one like you can work with him a little bit more on that I think in that moment and that's where I think Reinsdorf kind of shot them in the foot with his whole I don't renegotiate anything because it's like yeah if, sure. if Scotty waited that long and was like okay we're getting towards the end I haven't made any kind of stink about this let's start talking numbers because I've been underpaid for a long time I don't have any issue with it but yeah I'm with Trey on the the early part of that where it's like you just kind of got to eat that deal you were the one that pushed for it yeah. yeah there's also another contract that does come into play the Bulls signed Pippen in the summer of 03 to a two-year 10 million dollar contract Scotty was basically signed as a good faith measure uh, Jalen Rose recently did an interview where he talked about being on that team and he's looking around being like, all right, we just drafted Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler. We just signed Scotty. Uh, we got uh, Jamal Crawford. Maybe we can, you know, make a run. There's this young Kirk Heinrich on the team that they, they, they have, <laughs> Hey, they got, some they got some pieces. They got some pieces. And Scotty looked at him like, man, I'm not trying at all. I'm not doing ish for this team. I'm not doing <laughs> I remember Jalen. Yeah, I heard Jalen when he was telling this story. I remember that. I, yeah. I get paid. Which, I, I mean, he was within his rights. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but me as a kid, I didn't understand Hello? that. I was just like, Scotty, you're basically taking up a roster spot and hitting the salary cap. Why are you doing this to us? But in all honesty, it was completely deserved because he was one of the most criminally underpaid athletes during a time when Reinsdorf and the Bulls organization was just making stupid amounts of money. Sure. I, I mean, I talk about this to the to this day. Up until a couple of years ago, the Bulls were still number one in attendance. And you do say that often. I do <laughs> say that often. They wrote that well twenty years into the future that they were just still riding that dynasty. And it does come up, but in terms of you know some of the stories that were being told. Can we talk about the Bulls traveling cocaine circus for a hot second? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know, man. Only Ex and only if we could talk about the fact that you now understand Pip's reticence to actually trying. 
and not understanding Iggy's reference to playing for the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> Ooh. The only way we're having this conversation. Hey, man, as much as Jalen Rose was optimistic on that Bulls roster making a playoff push, I was not, and a lot of people were not as well. Wait and a minute. Jalen I mean, did no, not stay no, healthy. No, we just finished lauding you for your consistency earlier this episode, and you tried to tell me that a roster led by Laurie Mockernan and Thaddeus Young and whoever, Zach Levine, was, was a playoff contender, and that roster wasn't? Yeah. Okay. In, a, in an NBA that was much worse than? Yeah, I think that's enough. I think that's enough podcast for today, guys. <laughs> anyways, so no, no, not anyways. You're telling me AP coming <laughs> off of five, six straight finals runs with the Warriors, getting traded to a young rebuilding team that is at best clawing for that eighth spot. He's wrong for saying, I don't want to be a part of this. Trade me. I'm not coming in. But Pippen's not wrong for signing there, clearly stating, I'm just here for the money on a team that also apparently thought it had playoff aspirations. I'm saying, yes, Iggy is in the wrong in that situation within a league that would fine so uh, Dwayne Dedman for demanding a trade, yet will let Iggy sit the on literally talking about how he would make an impact their to various playoff teams. The Bulls literally just put an Anthony Davis Bulls jersey on their Twitter account like two days ago. Should they be fined for that? Now, <laughs> literally, like Dan, it was several days ago. They I, put up Anthony Davis Bulls jersey on their Twitter account. Because should they be fined them, for that? Someone had asked them. The Lakers would get fined $6 million if they did that before he got traded there. This was something for a fan. I don't. It's on their official team Twitter account. That's tampering. I don't know. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. Uh -oh. Hypocrisy. Thy ah. name is Dan. Thy hey. Name is oh. Dan. Take a number. We're all in that line. Anyways. <laughs> No, no, you can't just lump us in on that with you. I mean, he's right in that we've all said some hypocritical stuff. Fine, but so. it's backing off of the whole point right now. Sure, sure. But, look, <laughs> it is funny that we would draw that parallel between Iggy and Pippen, because I would say Iggy's probably a poor man, Scotty Pippen. Right? Absolutely. I was going to say the other day, like, I think Iggy is probably the closest thing we've had since Pippen, but I realized I was very disrespectful to Scottie Pippen. That is Scottie very, Pippen very whole... disrespectful yeah. to Scottie hey, Pippen. Gray's got more finals than MVPs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we're having this conversation. This is insane. You had a Tony Kukoc cap him up conversation. We can have right. one. Oh, Look, God. Dan, all right. we're saying, so, okay, here's an actual question, though, and I'm going to try to leave my bias out of this, but at full power, at their at the peak of their powers, Braun and Wade or Mike and Scotty? Trey, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you, Trey. I'm not going to ask Dan or even Brian. I want to ask Trey, who's objective here. At the peak of their powers. Peak of their powers, who would you rather have? Man, that's that's actually really, 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 really close. Honestly, I think it's probably a wash. And I'm almost, I think I'm inclined to lean in the direction of Mike and Pip. <laughs> that hurts hey! me to Okay, all right. I, I think I'm inclined to lead that way just because I feel like they did a better job of 
complementing each other naturally. Like Bron and Wade figured it out for sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was ever as natural as as Mike and Pip. Okay. I think I respect that. Yeah, it's one of those like the the sum is uh greater than the whatever. I don't I don't know but how the saying goes, <laughs> but like Yeah. Now, okay, so all right, I, and I get that. And for the record, anybody who would answer the way you answered, I don't have any issue with it. As long as they're not a Bulls fan, because they can't see it. <laughs> they can't see it the other. I mean, and I don't know the Heat fans will be able to see it objectively. Yeah, and you and you know fair. how nope, I'm and you, you know away. how I feel about like the whole LeBron versus MJ debate. Like even when I'm not trolling Dan, you know how I feel about it. But like, right, it, right. I'm, I'm trying to approach this objectively. And that's where I land. Exactly, and I so so I think my only counter would be that I think when it's all said and done, Wade ends up. Cl- I think Wade ends up Dwayne Wade is better than Scotty Pippen. The top fifty list than Pippen does. I don't and think so, that's a question. Exactly, and so that's the only way. That's the only real way I could be like, well, this is why I feel this way. I think without LeBron, it sounding like I was biased. I think you know? LeBron and Wade, like if you add up like their 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 NBA two K totals, like the floor of that is higher than right. Mike and and Pip. That's what I believe. Right. I think as a tandem. If that makes any sense for me, yeah, that's yes. totally fair. That's probably the most objective answer you'll hear on this podcast ever in this argument. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I think when it comes down to it, Scotty was a great creator, and he could do a lot of things on offense. I don't think he could take over as a scorer the way that Peak Wade could do. So that's right. my only real. That's my only real re- retort to it, Dan. I am not saying this to bait you into any sort of debate. I just wanted to know what an objective person would say if I asked them that. Yeah. So I I appreciate it. Because I if we look say... at it like Mike and Pip were never, ever, ever defeated in the finals. And that and matters. LeBron and Wade were, but LeBron also didn't need Wade to get to the finals. LeBron and Wade also never lost in the first round ever either. That's true. They only made it to the finals. They that only that made true. finals. Yeah, only made that's finals. True. Right. Go ahead. That's Dan. all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. I swear. Dan, I swear. we're gonna give you. We're gonna put sixty seconds on the clock. No. To fire no, off. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm not doing sixty seconds on the clock. I'm going back to the dock. I'm going to talk about. Well, no. We're, we're, gonna to, we're gonna have to wrap it up here soon, Dan. So that's why I wanted to do that last one. Do you want your sixty seconds or not? I I'm here to like I so no I, just, I want I wanted to talk more about the the doc I wanted to talk about the fluctuating line of in Michael's drink and how it went back and forth during the course of the episode I wanted to talk about the traveling cocaine circus bulls I wanted to talk about the eighty five season what or eighty five eighty six season with the minutes restriction and how John Paxson hits that shot and then they have to lock the players in the locker room who are celebrating from Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf because spoiler alert. They didn't want to make the playoffs, and they shouldn't have at thirty and fifty-two. I would have, have. I I applauded those Bulls for making the playoffs. I oh, I, I enjoyed gosh. it. Okay, then I know we know that if we let you, if we really let you cook, we would never get off of that the last dance subject. We know that. Unfortunately, I mean, we, we cannot we more episodes of it. We got we can always do more. Exactly, exactly. We cannot hold our listeners hostage. 
on this one episode. Not with that attitude. <laughs> now, yeah, exactly. Not with that attitude. Thank I do. I do have one final question for those first two episodes. I'll put it that way. Since there's so much more to come, we can do another episode on this. Another couple more. Whatever. There's no other basketball going on right now, like Trey said and Marcus said. So, my question is, outside of LeBron, and this is not a shot at Michael. Michael can. Michael would be one of the greatest ever in any generation of basketball whatsoever. But outside of LeBron, who I feel is like the easiest answer to this question, which player post-1980s would you enjoy most seeing play in the 1980s? Shaquille O'Neal. That's my answer, too, because I feel like Shaq would tear that decade up. Like, we're talking probably 2000, 2001 Shaq. Because yeah. the Orlando version would have too, but we also saw Hakeem work that version, and Hakeem was still cooking in the 80s too. So I, I would love to see early three-peat Lakers Shaq in the 80s because, I mean, no one would have been able to stop him at the time. Okay, I agree with that. You know what? I'm going to go a different route, and at least my, my rationale behind this argument is I think this guy, had he played in the 80s, his career is looked at completely differently and I'm going to say Carmelo Anthony, because I think I think yeah, that's a good Keith Mello probably averages 32, 33 points a game, easy, yeah, easy, easy, very much so. And we, I mean, who who's to say he has more titles? I don't know about that, but I think he doesn't always get maybe his just due yeah. because he's compared to LeBron being in that same class, and yeah. his his game did not age that well. But in the 80s. He could have had an entire career of peak mellow. I would have liked to have seen that. Dan? Those are both great options. I'm going to go with another one just so we can have a little bit more variance. I'm going to go with Dirk. That's Ooh, a good Durka. one, too. Like Durka, that. Durka. Yeah, you I think Dirk would... Dirk in the 80s would, you know... I feel like that's what we were missing with Sabonis not playing in the NBA at the time. Everybody yeah, has those what sure. about Sabonis. I think Nowitzki would have been that same type of... Yeah. No, and I, credit I, to I, Dirk, he has the type of game that any era he could play. Yeah, he could have played yeah. in any era and would have been really good. But I think, like Dan said, in the 80s, he would have been something that nobody could have ever seen coming. Yeah, it's one of those, like... If you could have the range of Larry Bird, but then also have the toughness of like a Mikhail, not to like steal all of the Celtics like comparison stuff because I don't want to go oh, in no, that he direction. He absolutely would have been a Celtic. There's nobody else who would have signed. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Red Auerbeck flying to Germany and being like, "Hey, look, you're going to be in Boston. You're going right. to fit in great." Yeah, he absolutely would have been a Celtic for sure. But yeah, I, I like that answer. That's a little. That one's a little outside of the box, but I like that. Hey, honorable mention, just because I would have liked to see some of these plumbers in the 80s have conniptions trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> but Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, nice. Just guys like this, the physicality of today, like, it's so underrated because everyone talks about the 80s being the most physical, or early 90s, it's so physical and everything. I look at these guys and I'm like, can you imagine Zion out there on the court against them? I want to oh see what gosh. would happen if Giannis Antetokounmpo took three steps down the court. Right. In the 80s. <laughs> right. Oh, man. The Jordan the Jordan rules would have been nothing compared like, to what they would have had to do to Giannis or Zion. This is when they packed the paint, too. Like, yeah, Giannis I mean, have to guard out to the three-point line. So I mean, you're talking about the basket. Yep. 
dudes would have been absolutely mugging him, like com- <laughs> clotheslines. Just like, hey man, we gotta stop. You gotta stop dunking on us. We just, we have to do this, okay? <laughs> it's a pride. It's a point of pride. Now we're gonna have to hurt you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That'd, yeah. Be, that'd be real fun. I mean, Zion would be fun. There's a bunch of some of the point guards. I'd be I'd be really curious to see just with the hand check rules being different, like they were back then. Like Steph would be curious to me because, like, yeah, you can shoot from half court, and they'd all be confused as hell by that. But also, like, they'd be just fouling him every second. Like, I feel like he'd be even more injury prone than he was earlier in his career. Oh, absolutely! Hey, oh my, Kyrie boy, Irving, man. Kyrie, yeah, absolutely. But but D'Angelo Russell, just because he has a very very active mid range game that suits the eighties. That, that suited the 80s, but can also shoot it from dang near Steph range. Yeah, Chris Paul, too. Honestly, Chris Paul yeah. was um, incredible in the 80s. Like, he, he I is. Thomas, man. Now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of guys that are thriving now could have thrived back then, but you can't go the other way, right? Like, there are only a handful of guys. Like, a young Barkley would have been good in this NBA, I think, but a young yeah. David Robinson, probably. But I'm going to go ahead and say it, Bill Simmons. I don't think Kevin McHale would have been that good in today's NBA. Yeah, I said it. I don't care. It's Kevin, Ma- right. Kevin McHale would have been Boban Marjanovic in today's NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and look, quiet as it's kept, this is okay. No, I can't say it. Never mind. I'm not going to even go. I was going to say, I was going to do a, a Dan Pierce and incendiary bomb, but I can't no, even go. Do there. it. Now you have you to. You teased that. it. Not do it. Come on. I don't think Larry Bird would have been as great today. Yeah, I said it. Oh. He's a great shooter. He's a great shooter. Good defender. Good ish. Good ish playmaker. I don't think he would have been as successful. I don't think he would have been as successful. Larry Bird is a rich man. He's a rich man's Gordon Hayward. Fight me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I, oh, I'm gonna I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'm gonna fight you on it. Like, Ooh, yeah, like is that, I uh, is that kind of like how Dr. J was a rich man's Travis Outlaw? <laughs> oh, drink, drink. <laughs> snuck it in under the buzzer. You did, okay. and I think I, I think, think we found the part. ending spot here. <laughs> All right, well, guys, this was fun. I'm sorry we had a few technical difficulties earlier, but I'm glad we all got together again. We got to do this again. You speak French now. <laughs> we yes um maybe next time we'll do a video pod for the people for the quarantine edition we'll see how bad everybody's gotten hairline wise yeah and everybody speak for yourselves <laughs> bad uh, but yeah you have any questions hit us up on facebook no not facebook yet twitter instagram uh where can we we be where can we be found on email, guys? Beesneespodcast at gmail.com and beespodcast on Twitter and Instagram. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. This is Marcus. See you guys later. Later. Peace. Michael's still the goat.